and we have kicked off. It is Play On Podcast at Podcast Play On, Podcast Play On at gmail.com, at Beer Rap Bants, Beer Rap and Banner at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Make sure you share with friends, you subscribe during these difficult times. It's your host, co host, Ben English. And it's Ash. What's going on, people? How you doing, Ash? Yeah. <laughs> we got into week four. Um, I think I'm slowly getting used to it, but it's still, I'd rather be outside, especially with the weather looking like it is. Like, genuinely, I want to be outside more, but it's what it is. How you been? Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been really well, man, just keeping busy. Um, sort of getting my running in, watching some things on TV, reading, and the wife's been going to work, so just sort of maintaining for the nurses out there and all the uh, key workers. So, if you listen to this on your commute, we respect you, and yeah, hundreds. And we respect you nonetheless, even if you're just sitting in your in your house in your underpants, not showering all day, just watching um, Tiger King or Ozark or whatever you're watching. Um, this is uh, the football podcast that we review every fortnight, and then we've obviously got beer up and banner. So please check us out um, if you haven't already. If you're a new listener or you're one of the uh, people that's persevered, big respect to you, man. Yep, and don't forget myself, Cal Serious, on the call also. Yes, Cal, just in the in the wings, holding down the technical sides, and uh, I think it's Cal's gonna <laughs> Cal's gonna jump in with the general news later. So we're gonna kickstart this episode talking of our review last episode. We did Player of the Month, and then I believe this time we're gonna do Managers of the Month. Um, yep. If there was one manager, obviously that sort of dominated <laughs> over the months, it was Jurgen Klopp for obvious reasons. Um, we're going to kickstart Klopp in January. Uh, oh, sorry, January, beg your pardon. In, August. In, in August, wow. This is where... <laughs> I was thinking at the beginning of the year of August. Um, Ash, what you got to say on sort of Klopp's beginning, the first month where he just began his dominance? So, you know what's crazy? He's going to come up as manager of the month throughout kind of the season, definitely. Um, but potentially, if a certain manager from Sheffield was to get them into the Champions League, could there be an argument that he is more manager of the year than Klopp? Um, I would say for the for the everyday fan and the footballing fan, then yeah, you've definitely mm. got, to give, you've got to give it to him. But the fact that then Liverpool, first time they're winning the Premier League yeah. and just, just in the manner that he'd gone about doing it, I mean, we don't know if they would have dropped any more games leading up to it, but another solid, solid performance, keeping the squad... So they usually go with the successful manager who's taking it. So, yeah. Yeah, I just thought about it now because I was like, he hasn't won an award, but Chris Wilder has been outstanding. Um, but yeah, to be fair, man- manager of the month has been kind of Klopp, Klopp's, Klopp of the month. Um, <laughs> out of seven months, he won five and he started in August. So um, Liverpool started the league season with a 4-1 win at home to Norwich. Um, they then went on to kind of go to Southampton, win 2-1. Um, and then their third game in that month was when they played um, Arsenal. Um, and it'd be a 3-1 before going to Burnley and winning 3-0. So, um, four, like four games, four wins, um, lots of goals, good attacking, that like, intent. They really kind of signalled what they wanted to do this year, like starting the league with four wins, especially as Man City dropped points really early against um, Tottenham. So it just meant that they already put their noses in front um, from, from game week two, actually. So, so yeah. Great start for Klopp, what like thoroughly deserved. Yeah, and then he went on in February. Uh, sorry, I'm getting my marks messed up. He went on in uh, September. Just got my notes, my messy handwriting. Uh, he went on again the following month, just win back to back awards after continuing his team's perfect start. Um, I think it's just the manner that they just weren't holding up. They knew that they'd have to match City game for game after what had happened the previous season. So they weren't letting up at all, and that carried on. A big, win, a, a big win in that game was um, actually who we want to go on to next is um, away to Chelsea. So um, on the 22nd of September, they went to Chelsea, went 1-0 up, um, Chelsea um, pulled them back. But then I think Firmino got the winner. Um, and I think that was when you really saw that like, they had a run of games coming up. Where everyone was thinking, OK, you won five or six. You had a relatively kind of easy start. Mm. What are you going to be like, away from home? Um, and yeah, they really kind of showed up. Um, they kind of bossed that game. I remember Trent and I think Mo Salah scored a wicked free kick where I think he slightly backheeled it and whipped it into the top corner. Um, but yeah, they were they were really they were really really impressive. Yeah, and then moving on to October, a manager who did really well 
uh, with some away impressive away results was Frank Lampard winning it for the first time, just taking over as Chelsea manager. Uh, he got his first managerial award in the Premier League with a 100% record in October. Um, I know they beat Southampton uh, away 4-1, I believe. Yeah, um, four different scorers as well, which is really yeah. good. Yeah, and he had Tammy playing. He had all the young players galvanised and working for him. And I know it sort of doesn't affect the Premier League uh, views on the manager of the month, but some, some impressive Champions League results as well was his first time with, with his squad. So Frank Lampard took it in October. But I think you made a really good point earlier on saying that it was not just a case of just kind of having a clear passage and playing those games. You have to kind of play those games, play your League Cup, play in Europe, and they were still coming back and winning games. Yeah. So I, do, so I do think it really does. Like the point you made before we kind of started um, recording, that was an amazing point because actually it shows that they were doing it on, on, on all fronts and still doing well domestically. So, yeah. Yeah, managing the expectations. I'd just like to add, not only did they get five wins in October... Uh, including the Champions League games, but it was also done in a fantastic style. And uh, Chelsea have obviously uh, been known to have more of a sort of defensive and maybe not the best free-flow and attacking football of recent years. And Frank Lampard's come in, changed that, and I think it's a well-deserved manager of the month for Frankie. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Moving on to November, Jurgen Klopp again. Um, He won, again, all four matches in the month. Uh, and he ended with a new deal that would take him into 2024. This is where I believe they beat City and Palace, was it? Yeah, yeah. so they beat City on the 10th, um, and then they went to Palace. So, again, their biggest game of the season is City at home, um, or City away, whichever you want to look at it. Um, they beat them 3-1. I know there was 3 nil up. Bernardo Silva got a, um, a late consolation. Yeah. But they completely bossed that game. Like City were kind of lucky. I know there was the big contentious handball incident, Actually, Liverpool bossed that game, but the 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 Crystal Palace game was again that what Liverpool have done this a few times a season where it's looking like one one. You're thinking, yeah, maybe they're going to struggle, maybe they're not going to be able to quite get the result, and they pull it out. Even at the start of the month as well, they played Aston Villa. I think they were one 0 down going into the 84th minute and ended up winning the game um, in the 93rd minute. Um, I think Mane set up Robertson. And then um, Mane scored, like, like got the winner. So, yeah, yeah. man, they just, they, they just seemed in this month in particular to really pull out wins when they needed to. And I think that's where they really kind of set a massive kind of gap um, between them and the rest of the competition. Yeah. And then December for me is where they really pushed on and Klopp winning mm. it. Surprise, surprise. Uh, getting the fourth award of the season. But for me, this month was, was really important where they, they just blew teams away. I mean, they smashed Everton 5-2. They got impressive wins um, against Watford and then Leicester. That was built against sort of um, Brendan Rodgers playing, going back uh, against Liverpool and then with his team, the way they were playing with uh, Vardy being rejuvenated and they just swept them aside. Impressive yeah. result against Wolves. And then also winning the World Club Cup yeah. against the South American opposition. So all of that built in for an amazing December. Bearing in mind mm. you've got sort of the, the hectic Christmas period um, with games around Boxing Day and New Year's Day. And oh, oh, how we wish to have those games now. Everyone was sort of saying, oh, they need a break over Christmas. But I bet everyone listening to our podcast would really want that, yes, <laughs> that hectic, hectic uh, season back in our lives again. So December for me... I mean, Christmas came early for Liverpool fans and you could really see that this is this was theirs again. Mm. They, they absolutely smashed teams and their defence was tightening up. Uh, whereas last season they conceded, what, six, was it six goals or 12 goals? Like a handful of goals. Mm. And then and then the beginning of the season they were conceding here and there, but they really shored up the back four moving into the new year. Yeah. And then again, January, lo and behold... Just wins on wins on wins, yeah. I think um, that was at a point where they was really into their 18-match winning streak, which yeah. went, where they equaled the record um, that was set in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, they played um, Sheffield United at the start, um, and then they had a tricky game away to um, Spurs. And again, you know, you, it was billed as Mourinho. Can he do something against Liverpool? But it was really easy. The then United. they United 2-0. Um and just, yeah, like, again, kind of walls away. They had a double game where they had walls away and West Ham away. Yeah. And again, they just did what they had to do. So the walls game, again, it was it's 2-1. And you made a really good point earlier on about they did show up their defence, but there's so many times it was 2-1, but going into the last 10 minutes level. 
and they just had that little bit that kind of has carried them across the line. And this mm. is why they're like 20 plus points ahead of everyone else, because in those really crucial moments, they've turned draws to wins. Whereas mm. last season, they had too many draws and that's what kind of stopped them from winning the league. Yeah, so for January, they only conceded one goal that time. And yeah. then there was an interesting article before where they were saying Liverpool have learnt to win ugly. But I don't... Mm. And then Klopp was quick to dismiss that, saying it's not a matter of winning ugly. It's just a matter of winning by any means. And we can't always brush teams 4-5-0 or we can't always play this massive, expansive football for 90 minutes. You're going to have, mm. have your backs against the wall. And they've shown uh, where maybe in the past they weren't able to do is they were able to, to turn these draws or these close games into full three points and thus, thus put them in that really commanded position as they pushed on at the beginning of 2020, 19-20, beginning of the year. And in February, uh, Sean Dyche... Uh, only conceded one goal in four. He drew against Arsenal. They should have beat Arsenal. I think Arsenal were really lucky that game. Uh, they beat an informed Southampton and drawing away to Newcastle. So my man Pope, who I had in my fantasy football team from the beginning, and uh, always, always, and the Burnley defence. Just going back to basics, really, um, mm. and, and just grinding out results. So uh, Burnley were guided to the top half of the table with an unbeaten month in February and included another uh, win over Bournemouth as well, which I needed to add. But even on that, because we spoke about it beforehand, actually, my my view was that maybe the Wolves team were more deserving of that award, um, yeah. the manager there, because they were away to United um, and they drew 0-0. They then kind of hosted Leicester, who were still kind of in the mix for second spot, and they was able to kind of stop them from scoring. They then beat Norwich 3-0, and then they went to Spurs and won 3-2. Um, and for me, that's a harder run of fixtures. They conceded one more goal, but actually accrued the same amount of points. Um, and actually, I would have said that that manager was more deserving. But fair play to, to um, Sean Dice. He got it. Um, but yeah, it was really close between those two. Yeah, maybe a bit of favouritism towards the England, um, English manager. Maybe future future England manager, possibly, depending on what happens. Potentially. Potentially. Um, so that concludes our managers of the month. Um, just to sort of give you a nostalgic view on the Premier League that's just gone on. We're going to move on quickly to the Corona 11. Uh, Ash, this is, yeah, this is uh, like my this, baby. This is your baby. <laughs> I'm sure someone, if, if, if someone's done this on FIFA or Championship Manager or, champ, you know, or Pairs, let us know. But you, you've got some new players to add to the, add to the team. Yeah, so remember, we said that the idea was our hope was that throughout this, throughout this, there would be no more additions. But unfortunately, there has been um, some elderly statesmen who are like exceptional players who are going to kind of be adding into the team. So just a quick recap. The team was Sportello um, from Atalanta in goal, Rogani, Gray, Mangala, Maldini, Arteta, Fellaini and Matuidi in midfield. And then we had Dabala, Gabbiadini and um, Callan Hudson-Odoi up front. We're going to make a couple of changes. So Mangala is going to be subbed out for um, Norman Hunter, who was the um, World Cup winning defender, um, massive, massive Leeds legend. Um, he was um, tested positive for Corona, I think, um, at the start of the week. And then up front, Gabby Adini will be changing for Kenny Daglish, who the news only came out of in the last 48 hours that he's been tested positive for um, the coronavirus at the moment as well. So prayers and wishes to, to them and their families. We hope that they're able to kind of fight it and come back to full health. Um, but yeah, we've just we've brought in a bit of a, a bit of real quality, man. Like Norman Hunter, and especially especially Kenny Daglish, like what a player, Legend. what an amazing player. Yeah, man. Mm. So yeah, so just, that's the update for the Corona Eleven. Yeah, yeah. We just hope that everyone, uh, whatever they're doing, sort yeah. of if they're tested positive or they're suffering, that they just sort of stay safe, and that everyone listening stays safe. And sort of, we're not making light of the situation, but we're trying no. to bring a bit of fun and banter into. The lives. Right, moving on. General news. The uh, English Football League hopes to restart the season by uh, June and try to fit 113 championship games in 56 days. Um, <laughs> there's a mad rush at the minute to restart the season by June. Um, I mean, there's, 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 at the minute, they've put players on holiday, mm. uh, which I think is a good thing. It'd be really mm. good for players to take a break, sort of mentally, um, to help their families out to help their loved ones. Um, and it will also give fans and people football over summer. I know the Euros has been postponed, so mm. it give a chance for the English Football League to have 
some football in the summer when the weather's good and add some closure to the to the lower leagues so we can actually see who gets promoted, who gets relegated, who yeah. stays it because the financial implications are massive. And just to sort of draw a line in the sand now and, see, and to be like, oh, it's reset or we're doing it again uh, could cause, you know, issues for everyone. So I don't know what you, you guys are thinking about having this uh, blitz of the EFL finishing off. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. Um, there's some other countries that are kind of trying to do something similar as well. So I know that the Bundesliga um, teams, the players are kind of back in training now with the view of kind of starting in May to finish by the end of June as well. Um, I think while there isn't, as long as they're not kind of putting extra strain on that, for instance, the NHS and the resources that are being used to kind of fight this pandemic, um, and they can find a way to kind of do it in the safest way possible, I think people would like to see a resolution to all of the seasons across as many of the leagues as possible. Um, provided it's safe, provided it's kind of thought out, and provided that the players and the teams, they all kind of buy in, I think it's really, really important because the knock-on effects of the season not finishing is some of the things we're going to talk about a bit later on in terms of kind of like furlough and like wage cuts and stuff yeah. and not being paid as well. So where, where they can find the resolution for this, I think it's a great thing. There were like nine, nine or ten matches to go and they were talking about doing two games a week, uh, Saturday-Sunday game and then, a, and then a midweek game and just blitzing it and having it done. Obviously, they'd have to make sure that safety was paramount, that I don't know how they're going to try to... In, uh, to enforce some sort of strict rule where the fans can't go or can't congregate to watch it because that's going to be the biggest issue, isn't it? People just meeting up, drinking or watching the game somehow. Uh, if they you play behind thought, closed doors... Sorry, I was just going to say that. You would have thought they might do games behind closed doors. Yeah, but then what's the stop? What's the stop sort of 7,000 West Brom fans from travelling or, you know, the chance to get promoted to Premier League or the Leeds fans if they don't bottle it again? Um, which they shouldn't do this time. So I think that's the bigger picture. Yes, as football fans, everyone listening, we want to see the leagues played out. We want to see football back on the screen. But in terms of safety, if they can sort out the logistics of making sure that everyone's safe and there's no cross-contamination or anything like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, and then what happens with the Premier League? Like, Are they then looking to do the same with the Prem, if, if, if it works well, do you think the EFL is sort of like a guinea pig and if it works well for them, they're gonna, the Prem League is going to use use it and then build on that? I think so. Um, I also think it's, it's important to note the caveat here as well, which is that these, these are proposals and the EFL are still going to listen to government advice. So mm, if yeah. the government does come out and, and say something different, <laughs> then, you know, maybe this plan could actually just end up in the bin. Hmm. Mm. Um, just across the border, then in Scotland, they've uh, they've stopped. They've uh, they're giving Celtic the title, which isn't anything yeah. new because they, you know, <laughs> this is a, a one league team until sort of Rangers and Hibs uh, or Hearts. Or was it Hearts usually pull themselves together? But uh, in Scotland, they seem to have they've called it. I mean, there's, there's it's a smaller league or smaller leagues, lesser teams, so maybe less of an issue. But I know Scotland have followed the, the advice and they've. They've stopped with giving Celtic the league title. I don't know. I think that's a bit of a dangerous president because, like we said, there's lots of fans from um, Merseyside that would expect the same thing to kind of happen. But then there, it's always the ramifications and the implications that happen beyond that. So, yes, it looks fine at the top, but you need to always go down all of the levels to make sure. I don't know if a Rafe Rovers needs like two wins for promotion or to stay, to stay up. There's there's going to be implications all the way down. So yeah, I think the cleanest way is to try to get, get some games played and get it kind of resolved that way. But if you can't, then maybe some of the smaller leagues need to do this. Yeah, it says here, under the average points plan, only Hibernian and St. Johnson currently 6th and 7th would change places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dundee United would be promoted to Scotland's top division. So it seems like they've already got things sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know... So they, they they've taken they've taken the uh, initiative or they've taken the advice and, and ended early. Yeah. And we shall we shall wait and see what happens elsewhere. Um, moving on, we spoke about Klopp as manager of the month mm. quite a lot, and yeah. this is a, an interesting uh, extract from an interview or quote where he said when he first came across Sadio Mane, he thought he was a rapper. Uh, he thought he was some sort of sort of rapper, but then he spoke about not wanting him in the team for sort of mm. 
uh, disruption of players that he already had in the team or he wouldn't be able to fit him in. Um, I don't know, Ash, what you, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so this to me is a really big story because um, it just kind of balls into the negative perception of like black players in the media. So I think Klopp's come in and he's seen him and he looks like a rapper or such. And he's like, ah, oh, he said, his line is, I don't have time for this. So the idea was that Sadio Mane would be someone who he thinks he could put on the bench and maybe kind of like use him now and then and kind of, he, he may not play all the time, but actually he, he needs to understand his role in the squad as such. And it was a massive perception and assumption that he wouldn't kind of buy into the bigger goal of what Klopp was trying to kind of achieve. And I think by saying that he looked like a rapper, it automatically kind of construes like negative connotations about kind of what he is. Does he have an attitude? Does he do these things? And anyone who actually knows Sadio Mane knows that actually he's very, very religious. He doesn't yeah. wear, he doesn't kind of wear the, the, the things that maybe some other um, football players, black and white, tend to wear. He doesn't tend to be out. He's not going to be doing anything extravagant. He really is about his craft. And I just think by summing him up saying he looks like a rapper, you're diminishing a lot of what he's kind of done to get to this point. And I, even though I think there's a bit of creative license because it's for a documentary about Mane, so it is about kind of saying just how far has he come. But still, with you going in with the idea, it's a really negative preconception. And it kind of affects how he could have potentially been used or utilised. Luckily enough, that hasn't been the case. But just having that in the back of your mind just really speaks to maybe some of, some of society's kind of views of, of players of like kind of black race and black, yeah. and black backgrounds. Sort of. Yeah, not 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 a positive view if they're if they're mm. seen as a rapper, they're seen as flashy or not mm. willing to put the work in. Um, There's so many players that we can talk about where you can just hear like the the um, the tone of the of like their description or their kind of rhetoric is quite negative. Like Paul Pogba, the same thing as well. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw it, but um, Trey Dini was on a um, he was on a um, a live with um, another podcast, and he was talking about like. Paul Pogba actually coaching players on the pitch, making a difference, being really loved and respected. But we all know the narrative of Paul Pogba is he's flashy, he's this, because he dyes his hair, because he does that. He's a World Cup winner. He's the reason United aren't being successful. No, there's a number of other reasons why United are not being successful. Let's not just kind of put it on Paul Pogba because he looks a certain way. And I think when we get on to our next story, we're going to see that it's really interesting how the media can portray certain players, especially from certain races. Yeah, well, I do think there's often a witch hunt for mm. certain players, like you said, and it always happens to be mm. sort of black players, whether it's British black players like Sterling or whether it is sort of someone like Paul Pogba, mm. who, especially like Sky Sports, or I'm not going to dig him out, but Graham Sooner certainly seems oh, to have it in for, for Pogba when... You know, if you, if anyone's seen the the halftime talk from Paul Pogba with the France team against Croatia, you see that this guy is is so committed to his team. He's so committed mm. to what the the idea of what being French is about, or the modern idea of what being French is about. All the all the uh, different nationalities and the mixed melting pot. And the guys is guys is the baller. Um, Proper. And it is because I think the media talk sports or. Um, Sky Sports or other magazines, whatever, latch onto the fact that uh, he's doing stuff outside of football, the Adidas mm. campaign, the stuff with Stormzy, the the dancing, all the positive mm. things. You know, it doesn't matter what he's doing because he's just he's just living his life and he's being an inspiration to young boys and young girls of all different mm. all different colours and shapes and sizes. Uh, it's just a shame that he gets picked out for that. And when he does play for United, he had a he like led the team in assists and. Chances and the tackles and passes. So he's he's a phenomenal player. Uh, it's just a shame that this rhetoric is this false narrative is created for them. And just to just to end on that, he was in the the PFA Team of the Year last season, and his selection was being kind of um really like ridiculed in in some quarters. But he led Man United in everything. He was I think he got like double figures in goals. Was high up in assists, like most key passes. Um, like ground covered, all the things of him being lazy or being this kind of like, oh, this trophy player, he's not like, he was really committed to a cause. I remember United were not a good team last year. They were not a good team. So if you look at his numbers against a team that finished sixth, seventh, his numbers are outstanding. If someone like, I don't know, if someone like a John Lundstrom done that or say someone like from Burnley, they would be absolutely lord in praise. I'm not saying United are, are that level, but they were operating at like sixth, seventh. So I just think it's really, really unfair. 
yeah. and we're going to move on to stuff that's even more unfair now as well. Yeah. So the, the next thing you're talking about is where the newspaper, I don't know if it was the Sun or the Mirror yeah, or the, the Daily Sun. Mail, the Sun were posting front page headline news to do with uh, uh, a rapper singer, Tory Lanes, was it? Was putting their yeah. Instagram live Instagram story of uh, girls twerking, dancing on his Instagram feed, on his Insta Live. And they've just highlighted the fact that it was footballers were in the live watching and perving on these women. But the only players that they picked out were just all all black players, mm. which I think is is not good because obviously there was everyone was on there perving like the next yeah. man, watching all that milk go to waste. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so just to add a bit more context, so like quarantine radio is something that um, Tory Lanez has started since we've all been in quarantine. So he gets some celebrities to kind of come on and they've got to take a shot with him or there's certain girls who maybe not are celebrities, but they may be quite like known on Instagram, but they'll kind of like perform the act of twerking, which is kind of dancing and shaking at their ear as well as kind of other aspects of their body. So what's happened there is, so he's gone live and there's a massive following. Like I think three, his top following is like 350,000 people that kind of tuned in to his live. Which um, is mad, and, isn't it? Which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. But there's multiple people who are kind of coming in there. So yes, we did have Carl Walker go in there. We did have Jaden Sancho go in there. We did have Marcus Rashford go in there. But at the same time, we also had Scott McTominay and Jack Wilshire in there. But they've not been put in the article. The only three people who have been put in the article are the young black boys. And it really does go back into kind of negative perceptions part two, where rather than saying all of these footballers are in there, you're just targeting a certain demographic of footballer. So now what would happen is if they don't kind of like perform or they do something wrong, oh, look, those guys are too busy. Work, they're too busy watching twerking videos. They're actually relaxing. Or do you see what I'm saying? It just it builds a narrative against these players. But why was why wasn't Jack Walsher kind of pulled up for this as well? Why wasn't Scott McTominay pulled up for this as well? Like it's just it's not fair and it's not balanced. And for me, that's all that's all I want. If five footballers are in there, reference all five footballers in the article. Don't just reference three because it's a convenient narrative. I, I'd like to add we've got this uh, article here from the Sun written by Stephen Moyes, mm. and it does appear to be some type of racist coverage. The way he's he's worded this, um, you know, he's got. Walker was joined online by Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho and Raheem Sterling. And then he goes on to say Southampton and Everton stars also logged in. So who are these Southampton and Everton stars? Mm. Why aren't you naming them? Probably mm. because they're white players and you just only named the black players. You know. Okay. Okay, see? Like you go, Stephen. <clears throat> we got, got to be careful the way you word stuff, mate. And the funniest thing is the first person, the only person who I read, the two people who I only saw go in was Scott McTominay and Jack Wilshaw. They're the only two, like, in my groups, they were the ones who were sent. I didn't even know that these guys were, like, logged in until the Sun article came through. So, like, why can't it just be fair? That's all really, you want. Really, I think young men, you know, they're always going to be interested in in, in watching ladies uh, shake their rump. And it's, it's a thing that everybody does on Instagram. It's a very popular thing that everyone's doing. So to single these footballers out, uh, yeah, criticism, I think it's, it's, it's completely unfair. It's, yeah, it's disgusting. It's, it's an unnecessary article. Mm. And I think Carl Walker, there was already, already a bit of a witch hunt out for him because yes. of the... Uh, alleged story of him bringing in some dancers or sex workers yeah. or um, and it, you know I mean we, we, we don't really take anything the sun or the mirror or anything these newspapers have to say is sort of we, of we don't not. read it we don't read it uh, mm. and I don't take it as credited news but I know a lot of people do do and then their perception of, of, of black players or British black boys is already a negative one unfortunately mm. so this is keeps adding to the narrative added to narrative but Carl Walker I think this happened last the week before just we did the play yeah. on, other play on podcast but apparently was bringing in girls uh, or, or ladies uh, to keep them entertained during the lockdown now we don't know if these were friends they don't know if these were like Instagram chicks that he'd linked or anything like that but again uh, blown up out of sort of his crazy sex life and sex parties of hookers uh, and hippie crack, which is the balloons. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, again, good. it's not just, good. Again, it just does that. But then also, let's not forget that Jack Grealish was also. So what happened is, though, with um, with Walker, I think the day after it happened, he tweeted, "Everyone, stay home, stay safe." Jack Walsh had done. Sorry, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa done something quite similar, but he tweeted before. And then, pretend, and then went out on a bit of um, um, a bender with friends as well. Um, his car crashed into a couple of other parked cars. 
there's no confirmation whether he was driving or not, but he's involved in that as well. But yeah, again, like. Well, it's in the article. I mean, it's mm. the amount of space and coverage given to Walker and this and this and this girl is ridiculous. And then the amount of space given to Grealish. Uh, it's disappeared a lot quicker. Oh, of course it has. Of mm. course it has. Of course it has. So it's just disappointing to see. So, and this also goes to sort of people listening. Just bear in mind what you're taking in as news. Mm. I know WhatsApp have now stopped um, more than three people receiving forwarded videos or, or voice messages. I just I just received that from a friend. So. And just be careful what you're opening. Just take, you know, really do your research. There's a really good uh, crowd uh, fundraiser on, on Twitter that JME tweeted about um, raising money for the sun. And everyone's just looked at it at face value. It's like, oh, how could you promote that? And who's going to be raising money for the sun newspaper? But when you read it, this guy's talking about raising money for food banks in his local area and that he mm. likes the sun as in the sun in the sky <laughs> and he'll be raising mm-hmm. money for his food bank. So just don't, Taking everything you read at first sight, do your research, and you know just to stay vigilant during these tough times. Um, someone who wasn't staying vigilant during these tough times at the minute, he's giving people more and more reasons why <laughs> why they don't want to like him. Um, he used to be the special one. Now I think he's just special. Um, Mourinho um, admitting an error in having some players out training with him. Now, yeah. he admits his error. Now, he had Sanchez, Sessignon, and then uh, Bulle training. Yeah. Now, if I'm them three, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, Gaffer, why am I Why am I the only one here? Like, what's going on? Like, what, where's Harry Kane? Man. Where's, where's Deli Alli? Where's uh, Lloris? Where's all these other players? Why aren't they training with us? So, immediately, you're going to be ringing alarm bells. Um, Sanchez and Sessignon were seen running... Uh, around the area that they live and I know a few Spurs players were seen in the area because they live nearby but they were keeping the distance but to have Ndembele I keep mispronouncing his name um, flop you could call him a flop um, no, trade. he's a baller he's a baller he is a baller no, he's a ridiculous yeah, he's a but he's been, he's been, about a minute he's flopping and he's been yeah. called out by, called out by Mourinho a few times um, so what is he thinking thing. a complete yes. error judgement so this is the thing for me so it's almost Mourinho trying to almost double back on what he kind of said. So if you remember rightly, he's been onto him for a while saying he's not doing enough. He's not doing enough. He's really kind of thrown him under the bus a couple of times in some of the performances. So it's almost like him saying, you know what, not only am I going to throw you under the bus, but I'm going to almost be the saviour. And it is that complex with Mourinho saying, you know what, I'm going to be the person who's going to turn him around. I wouldn't be surprised if when the, when the league starts back, if it does, Ndombele starts the next five games. And if he has an improvement, Marina yeah. will be like, well, you know what? This is because of me or this. He's kind of made yeah. himself about it. Like the narcissist has kind of come out again in him to make it a little bit all about him. Um, Didn't he do that with Rashford as well? Yeah, he's done it with a few players, man. He's done it with so many players where he seems oh, to kind oh. of always... Yeah, he picks one player who he's going to kind sure. of just, yeah, be particularly hard on. And then whenever they have a good game, he it's, it becomes all about him. Kind of almost like, his, like him allowing them to have a renaissance rather than them just actually being good enough to kind of play yeah um, although although we're advocates for staying fit I mean people mm. are getting their runs in and I know uh, friends are sharing their, their running and what their football drills and their training what they're doing in WhatsApp groups and they're motivating one another so we love to see that but I just can't believe just how stupid he was having him out there and uh, considering what's been going on so mm-hmm. not very good from the unspecial one, Mourinho. To be fair, I think uh, all of us are going a little bit crazy just being bored at home all the time. Yeah. And they probably just thought, let me just get some players together and do a trading <laughs> session, you know? Yeah. For um, them. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he is quoted here in, in this uh, article in The Guardian as saying, um, I accept that my actions were not in line with government protocol and we must only have contact with members of our own household. It is vital we all play our part and follow government advice in order to support our heroes in NHS and save lives. So although he did think that, you know, we were going to be complying with social distancing guidelines, um, you know, he, he has kind of accepted that maybe he shouldn't have, uh, have got everyone together. Yeah, yeah, he's so adamant he wanted to go out and just do some training drills. He was probably going crazy and just yeah. wanted wanted to get him out. But yeah, just stay safe. Um, moving on, wife probably kicked him out, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, he's probably doing tactics on the fridge, like all the magnets and all, <laughs> all, all the household appliances, and trying to do uh, sort of the trap and sort of offline and pressing. Um, someone who won't be leaving his house for a while, regardless of quarantine or not, is. 
Rui Pinto. Uh, the football leaks man is under house arrest after release from prison. Uh, his lawyer says banned from using the internet. Now, Rui Pinto is the man behind the football leaks, which uh, led towards Manchester City facing their European ban for next season. And he came, uh, he supplied around uh, 3.4 terabytes of information. <laughs> Now I mean, this is like this is like the football this is the football version of Takashi Six Nine. This guy was. <laughs> this he let guy the is, whole thing go, bro. This guy is a proper rat. He had uh, 70, uh, 70 m documents, seventy million documents, whatever that is, um, including information on tax, personal emails, uh, and he's just a wanted man. So he has to be at home with no internet, which in this day and age is like. You couldn't, you couldn't fathom that. You couldn't fathom it without the internet. I know we come from a generation of dial-up and no internet, but he's uh, he's housebound now. So good luck to him uh, as he awaits trial for attempted blackmail in Portugal. Moving on. Mm. I don't know if you guys wanted to add to any of that, I don't really have too much about. It. I just thought it'd be a nice no. thing. quarantine. No, yeah. I've never actually heard of this guy before. So um, it's something interesting to look up now. Football league, see? Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely look into that. Right, PO Advance and hashtag players together. Yeah, so um, the the Premier League players led by kind of Henderson, Maguire, and I think Kane tweeted out a statement saying that the um, the Premier League teams and players are kind of all banding together to help support the NHS this time. So I think they've committed um, some money um, towards supporting the NHS. Yeah, um, which I think is really really important. Like like you said, Ben, like your wife's a nurse so many people are kind of on the front line and even those who are kind of just in the admin services as well like we can't forget those who have to still kind of like face patients like administer the paperwork and there's so many people like in the service that require that are going out there putting their health at risk to kind of do this so any support that can be given is is absolutely amazing so yeah i think it's really really important that the the guys are doing that i think it's a really nice touch from the football players and the football captains coming together and it's Henderson again showing his class I mean he's been made the poster boy of it you know he's probably Mm -hmm. um, I know Harry Maguire was behind it and Kane and hopefully some other people but Henderson seems to be taking the lead or being shown as the face of it Um, I'm all for it of course I'm all for raising money for services and people however I do feel where is this money and support from our government uh, and, I, and, I, and I say the word our government loosely because I definitely didn't vote for Boris Johnson or the Conservatives uh, and how ironic that someone who's depleted the National Health Service through austerity over the years is now in the hands of these thank you, mm-hmm. in the hands of these doctors in the hands of these nurses um, in the hands of people that have come over to this country to make this country great because this is what Britain's all about, this is what England's built about building up as you know as a United Nation and everyone coming together in a matter of your colour, class or creed. Um, I do feel that more needs to be done from the bankers, the, the big corporate firms, co- you know, I'm not Coca-Cola, that's American, but like any major company, where are these big execs, these CEOs that are earning massive money? Yes, footballers earn, Premier League footballers, and it's only a top top tier of footballers that are earning stupid amounts of money and yes it is supported and you know it'd be nice if you if you gave towards charity but where are these other organizations you know this should be done by other people as well so although it is nice plays together and we appreciate it i think more needs to be done from other organizations and the government as well yeah so yeah no definitely yeah and um so, I mean, and, and that leads on to nicely about whether Premier League footballers should face pay cuts. Um, well, I read a really interesting article in The Guardian. Uh, Sitchin Francis wrote why footballers should not take pay cuts. Uh, and he goes in just sort of about, um, is it fair to ask footballers to take a pay cut of 30%? Um, he believes no. Um I was, you know, I was reading the article and I was sort of in agreement as well because there's so many things going on that footballers have been um, targeted. I know Ben Mee wrote about this as well, saying, you know, why why are footballers now being vilified for earning all this money and then not immediately facing a pay a pay cut to pay for services? Mm-hmm. Yes, footballers are paid too much. Agreed. I'm agreed. I think it's ridiculous what footballers are paid, and I think public sector workers aren't paid enough wholeheartedly 
But should you know, should a footballer who's been working hard um, then then be the only people to be expected to to face this pay cut? Uh, he goes on to talk about sort of how footballers are contractual in a contractual stability where you and I, uh, or the three of us, we're all working, and our contracts, uh, our our employees can give us sort of a notice period before giving us the sack, or we get a comeuppance. Mm. Whereas footballers, once you know, you, you're contracted to that set time, and you can't really move yeah. around. He um, builds on sort of uh, the players don't see the see the profit of any. They, they don't. They won't see any profit long term. Although they could get bonuses, I feel uh, there'd be tax consequences and a donation rather than pay cuts would be fine. Uh, would be better. So I believe in the donations, like we said earlier. Um, I don't yeah. know if I believe in them completely having to do a, a pick up because then where does it stop? You know, I don't know what don't you guys think it is. Yeah, so I think it's 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 always tough because I think when you look at it, and I think this kind of goes into the furlough situation as well. I think that Liverpool were were, were in where kind of like non-playing staff was being seen to take furlough, whereas playing staff weren't. And I think as an organisation, you want it to kind of be as kind of um, consistent and kind of fair as possible. Like we spoke about being fair with the media, but you want it to be fair within companies as well. And I think if people maybe who, who earn less are having to take certain pay pay cuts, then obviously the people who, who earn the most, you want them to kind of be in line with that as well to get the entire company through or the, the entire club through as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's how I look at it. I think it's it's kind of a it's an overall an overarching view of saying, okay, cool, if everyone in the company has to take a 10% pay cut that maybe should potentially include the players at this time. However, if it's a case of like, it has to be the players have to take 40% and other staff don't, I think that's where it becomes a little bit kind of like difficult for me because there are certain contracts, there's certain like employment law that has to kind of still be kind of like followed because they are still employees of the club. And that's the thing that people kind of forget. As much as we talk about these guys as being like exceptional individuals, they are employees of a club. And they have certain contracts and certain things that have been given to them. And yeah, they may be kind of paid more than what people think is right, but they are the top of their profession and they give a sense of entertainment. And some of them give a real sense of purpose to a number of lives that goes beyond their paycheck. So I'm not saying I'm not saying that they shouldn't take it, a pay cut, but it should just be in line with whatever their club's doing. Because then then that means it's fair. Yeah. And then also it's got sort of the staff, like you said, the the, back, the background staff, mm. the the kitchen staff, the mm. ground staff, the admin, everyone behind the scenes, or people that are going to schools and helping young people or homeless or whatever. Mm. Um, you know what's happening to their pay. You know what's happening to their pay. So, um, can I jump in just for one sec? Yeah, like, go for it. I think this really looks at just kind of the way that football is run as a business and just how kind of temperamental it is to something like this because. As far as I'm concerned, like these football, these football clubs generate millions and millions of pounds. I know a lot of it is weighted to kind of play wages because you want to get the best players in. But there should also be like some planning that's put in place so that it's not just basically built on kind of revenues for TV and stuff like that. There should be a more balanced approach. And actually, I think what this might signal is things like a potential wage cap coming or a potential yeah. kind of like um, say that 50% of your only 50% of your wages sorry, 50% of your turnover can be put on wages. And I think these, I think the, the, the legacy of COVID in sport is going to be a really big one because the legacy of COVID in anything is going to be huge. But I think in football, we're going to really start looking at financial structures. And I think there's going to be an even more of a shift in terms of how clubs are running themselves because they should have enough reserves to be able to support definitely, their, their staff members for definitely. a lot longer than this. They need the rainy day money. And then also they need to remember the... Uh, clubs that are of the community and, mm. and, and not necessarily the big, the, the, yeah. the mega rich clubs that they need the community and they need the local area to help. Like your palace, like something like a palace or something yeah, like that. Charlton or Burnley yeah. or, yeah, you're going you know, not, not everyone has, or Leighton Orient, not everyone <laughs> has these massive, massive uh, investors to, to go in. Um, so that is something to think about. I may have said in the past, yeah, footballer players need to have cuts but um, I, I don't know if I say, I say things we change our minds all the bloody time on this podcast which is what it's about but it's just an interesting read uh, if you want to look into that and you may have a different view you may agree with us you may not hit us up at, at 
podcast play on that podcast play on at gmail.com let us know what's really good um moving on to uh footballers and their contracts now there was a really good article again we're flashing through the articles um have these players have these Premier League players done enough to earn their contracts? So there are quite a few players whose contracts are up for renewal in the summer. And we're just going to touch on these. So we've got Bournemouth, Ryan Fraser, and Jordan Ayed. Um, mm-hmm. Both wingers, um, contracts are due up. Um, Fraser's only 26, while Ayed is even younger, 24. Well, he seems seems older now. He's been at the club for a yeah. while. Um Frazier, I feel we should. I mean, Arsenal were after him at one point, and I think he could push on to a bigger club than Bournemouth, but they definitely need to sign him and keep him on at the club. Um, I I don't think he's done enough to warrant a contract there, and he's never really he's never really done it, unfortunately. And um, yeah. if he went, to I, a, went down to a sort of lower level, the, uh, the championship maybe. I think it's a really interesting kind of article because someone like Ryan Frazier, a year ago, he was tied for like not big money but big money for him um, he yeah. came off a, an amazing season obviously Bournemouth were really strong and they did well um, top half finish but now this season because they've struggled he's kind of struggled um, injuries have played a, played a part yeah, they haven't really had like, their best team out especially defensively they've had so many defensive in- injuries at Bournemouth like their, their base hasn't been as strong this year yeah, I think so what's happening doing, is that he was doing a lot more defensive work as well he's having to cover go. So there you go. And, and even I think not... some of the things that they kind of did, they brought in Harry Rawson, which kind of had a bit of an effect on kind of his set pieces and how much stuff he was kind of getting on, like how much Hans he was getting on the ball. Mm-hmm. So actually someone like him who, like 12 months ago, everyone was looking at him to be like, oh yeah, he could really kick on to a big club. Now potentially he could be our contract and he may go to a, a really middling club and stay at the same level. So it is crazy just how quickly things change in football within 12 months. Yeah, and I... I've not really done it. Um, no. Although he's done it for the under 21s, 20s, 90s and 18s. Mm. So he's done it England International, but maybe dropping down to a, a championship team and coming up with them or, or going somewhere else. See, Bournemouth are in a, always a predicament because they're seen as a uh, a smaller team in the Prem, but they always seem to to hold their own and they mm. play good football. But he's, he's just not getting in the team and he's not cutting it. And I'd expect mm. I would have done really well in that team with King and Wilson. Of course. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. So, Bernie, Jeff Hendrick and Ashley Westwoods. I like Hendrick. I think he's all right. Westwood, Westwood has actually had a good season, um, just been, like, ticking over. I think both of them probably get contracts. I think both yeah. of them will get contracts. Yeah, I think they're all, they all seem happy at the club. Um, Daesh has got them all working together. Um, no issues there. Chelsea, this is an interesting one. Chelsea, the three old guards, Willian, Pedro and Oliver Giroud. Out of the three... Who would you see them keeping? So they've bought that Zayat guy from Ajax, and they're obviously in the running for um, Jaden Sancho as well. So actually, they've already got Pulisic, they've got Callum Hudson Odoi, Mount can play wide as well. If they were to get, I think they're going to get rid of all three because they don't actually need them. And if they really want to bring Chelsea into like a new era, yeah. I think. They're going to need to get rid of the likes of William. I mean, William's a weird player. Like he, he, he had an exceptional game way to, to Tottenham, but then he's kind of just a really nothing player sometimes as well. But I think he'll be good for certain squad teams, um, for like, certain teams in their squad. Um, if he were to someone like Italy or Spain, I think he'd do well for another couple of seasons. I think Giroud will probably go back to France, and Pedro again will probably just go to a lower team in the Spanish league and then just kind of see his career out. So. Yeah. I don't. I don't expect any any three of them to stay. Out of the three, I'd expect them to keep Willian. Just sort of his mm-hmm. uh, experience in Europe and in big games. I just have that option off the bench, and then maybe working with Callum Hudson Odoi uh, and Pulisic to sort of in training. Um, Pedro, you can see going because he's only been a bit part player. Only came into the picture in the last month, and then Giroud. Yeah, you can't see him sort of staying in the prem. Uh, I can't see him dropping down to a lower team, sort of what of his wage uh, wage expectations. So he could retire somewhere sunny other than West London. Um, Leicester, we got Mendy. Mm, he's barely played this season. Yeah. And especially if they go into get into the Champions League, they'll be looking to upgrade that squad quite a bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does move on and then they just kind of fill that area with a bit more quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's my view 
for Leicester. Sheffield United, we've got Lord Lundstrom now. He's definitely got to get a contract. Mm. So he's, been on, he's been on the bench recently. I think, yeah, um, only because they signed someone new, didn't they? And then he was, I mm. think he was, reportedly was giving it a bit Bobby Biggin behind the scenes. Uh, so while I just wanted to put sort of show him that it's yeah. not just about him, but when he had, did come off the bench, Scored he came up with a goal and yeah, got yeah, a, get an assist as well. Goal. So I think they need to keep him. He offers a lot on both ends, but definitely from the offensive side um, and keep that team stable, pushing on into the new season. Uh, Spurs with Vertonghen. Let, let him go. He's done. His legs are gone. So I think he's done. Maybe a replacement for Arsenal? <laughs> Jesus, please no. Please no. <laughs> um, oh, it gosh. says a return to Ajax has been muted for the Belgian who's 32 is yeah, likely to receive a medium-term deal. So could even yeah, join sense. company. Maybe even join company in Belgium. Yes, maybe. maybe. So that, that wraps up the immediate uh, players who are going to try and get a new contract who have done enough. We shall wait and see. So many things up in the air at the minute with the current football season we really hope it comes to and then it gets sorted soon and the games get played out um we have got one last thing now i know cal put this in this is really interesting for those football fans sports fans who are have watched everything on netflix or they've got the new disney channel thing and they've watched the all the star wars and simpsons this is a, a list of much watched sports and football documentaries for you to check out during this Easter period and over the next few weeks. So we kick-started with the Saudi Amani. We spoke about Saudi Amani earlier in the episode, made in Senegal. Now, that's free on Rakuten. I can never pronounce it right. Rakuten. I would say it with a Dutch accent. Rakuten. <laughs> <laughs> so this is free, apparently, on Rakuten TV. Um, if you haven't got that, you can always stream it. And I do believe that they're, they're putting out the Iniesta documentary as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a must. Yeah, so you've got the Sadio Mane Made in Senegal, which is a new release uh, this I've year. Watched, I've watched that myself. I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to check that out yet. Ooh, and, um, and I think for all Liverpool fans, that is definitely must-see uh, TV right there. And um, just for football fans in general, it's actually a really good insight into you know how he came up and became a star in football. Yeah, I've seen the advert. The, the advert looks really good. Sort of the footage in Senegal looks amazing with all the fans there, and him as a boy, uh, as a young boy. Sort of the photo with with all his friends is is really interesting. And yeah, some really cool cinematic shots in there as well. It, it, it is it is really really nice. Right, uh, we've got the two football team documentaries. We'll start with the most recent one, Sunderland Till I Die. A new. Uh, season has just dropped on Netflix. Now that'll be if you need a laugh, if you want a comedy, a tragedy comedy, then watching Sunderland will always bring a smile to your face. Uh, and they've obviously shadowed what Manchester City did on Amazon Prime with All or Nothing. Now, Cal, I know you watched All or Nothing. Ash, have you seen the Man City or the Sunderland? I've seen. I've seen half of it. Um, there's also the Barcelona documentary, which I want to throw in as well, which is kind of similar to All or Nothing as well. Um, oh. But yeah, no, the Man City one, I've seen half of it. Um, I love, I love um, Bern- uh, Mendy. He's wicked, man. Like, his energy yeah, all the time is just so sick. He's on vibes all the time. So yeah, big up Mendy. Yeah. I mean, I, I raised this with Cal a while ago on, on the podcast, uh, saying that I started to watch the Manchester City documentary and then I found myself liking Pep and rooting for Man City. And you're not going to be doing <laughs> that as a... I mean, I like Pep Guardiola, obviously. I like his sort of... his football ideas and, and what he brings to the table. But I can't watch a documentary and like another team in the league especially one that's, that's been so dominant and spanks us so yeah it's a it's a great piece of filmmaking really it's testament to the filmmakers that they made you like Man City even when Man City were playing against Arsenal <laughs> in the league cup final yeah. um, Ben I think you've seen this Diego Maradona film haven't you yeah I went to the cinema to watch it that's how that's how geeky I went and I was one of three people in a, in a dark cinema on a, on a hot Saturday <laughs> afternoon <laughs> that just shows my love for one of the girls. That sounds like, that sounds like, that sounds like the start of a novel, boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, this one was a, this one was like a novel. It had everything. It had uh, the ups and downs, love, lust, crime, tragedy, drugs. sort of drugs. Now, this was on at the cinema in Wolverhampton. I went to see it, and it was directed by Asif uh, Kapadia, who also did uh, Ertan Senna's documentary and the singer. What's her name? 
the one who killed herself, the, the drunk. Amy Winehouse? Amy Winehouse, there we go. That sounds a bit bad, the one who killed herself, that's a bit wrong. But um, really re amazing documentary and just beautifully shot. And now it's on um, more for like film for, so go and check that out for free. Uh, we've also got Class of 92. It's all about the Man United team, David Beckham, Skulls, yada, yada, yada. Don't win anything with kids. You've got Bobby, which is about Bobby Moore, I want to say. Yep. Mm. Yeah, England World Cup winning captain. Yeah, you've got... I watched a bit of that as well. That's, that's, that's definitely worth a watch. Any good, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find some recent... Mike Bassett, England manager. That film Mike Bassett, is funny. That film is funny, man. <laughs> Absolute classic. Yeah, and there's, there's, isn't there also a meme machine as well with Vinnie Jones in there, like when he's in the prison? That's a film. That's a football film. That's a good shout. Escape to Victory. Yeah. With Pele. Yeah, that's decent. Uh, and then there's only one Jimmy Grimble. So there's, there's some old ones. There's, there's a mix Cold. of old ones and Cold. new ones. Um, you can always... I know a match of the day they've been showing on a Saturday night. They've been showing old games to relive. And I know on YouTube, as always, you can watch sort of relive the, relive the highs and lows of European football, Champions League football, Premier League, World Cup, etc., etc. So Have there's lots of. Have you guys seen watch. that uh, Jimmy Greaves film yet? Not yet, no. no Greavesy. Definitely, Ben, you being an Eastern boy like you are, you need to watch that, mate. Uh, you as well, Ash, you, you need to watch mm. It's a great piece of filmmaking. Um, and uh, I'm sure that you will have a new appreciation for Jimmy Greaves after you watch it. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Big up Greavesy. Just a shame that he played for. Spurs, but it'd be it'd be interesting to interesting to watch. Um, that concludes our football general news roundup. Our last episode, I ended on a quiz, yep. Uh, yep. which Ash and Cal um, took part in and seemed to enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it. hundred oh, percent, it was good. Well, you what you you were you were <laughs> blitzing it, so no one like. <laughs> so this is a quiz that I'm going to have for the listeners. Um, on their commute or the listeners at home or whatever you're doing and obviously for Cal and Ash to take part what I'm going to do is read the quiz can you name these seasons forgotten signings the coronavirus crisis has forced the football season to be suspended but for some players the Premier League season never really got started plenty of players made big moves this season but uh, have so far failed to make big waves who are these forgotten players here we go ready so just I'm going to give you uh, lads a uh, chance of three names. So it's going to be multiple choice. Mm -hmm. Rather than bars or make a, make a weird noise. And for our listeners at, at home or wherever they are to join in as well, I'm going to say the question, say, give the clues, say the three names, and then I'll receive your, accept your first answer. Are you ready? Cool. First one. Which £25 million summer signing made one Premier League start for Everton before his season was ruined by injury? Was it... Jean-Philippe Gabamin, Andre Gomez, Moise Keane. Goodbye, Gabamin. Gabamin starts correct at home to Watford in August before the Ivory Coast midfielder needed two operations and a fire problem. Correct. Which striker did West Ham pay eight million to sign last summer? Albion, Ajeti, Jared Bowen, Concalo, Cardoso. No idea, mate. Cardoso. Cal, what are you saying? Ajeta, Bowen, or Cardoso? Uh, Bowen. It was neither of those. It was Albanian Ajeti arrived from Basel, but the Switzerland international is yet to start a league game. There we go. You missed that one. Next one. Who played just once in the league for Burnley after arriving on loan from Chelsea last summer? Brian Cooney, Danny Drinkwater, Conor Gallagher. Drinkwater? Ash? Oh, no, he played. Who was the first, the first option? Brian Cooney? No, you know, it, it was Drinkwater. It was Drinkwater, yeah, it was him. Correct. It was him. Only league games, Burnley, uh, and then he, then he got, got in a punch-up as well, didn't he, I think? Yeah, and now, he's, and now he's at Villa. Oh, mate, went from winning the league just to, like... Yeah. From drink water to like water carrier. Um, which former Man United forward returned to the Premier League last summer? Was it Hernandez, Morrison, or Wayne Rooney? Morrison. Cal? Javier Fernandez, Ravel Morrison, or Wayne Rooney? 
I'm going to go with um, Hernandez. It was Ravel Morrison. Where is he at then? Sheffield United. Sheffield United. After leaving West Ham for Lazio in 2015, Ravel Morrison was given another chance to establish himself in the Premier League with Sheffield United, but played just one league game before joining Championship Middlesbrough on loan in January. This guy, phenomenal, man. Ravel Morrison's got so much ability, but just unfortunate uh, choices in life, shall we say. (laughs) Right, moving on. Which striker did Wolves pay £16 to sign from AC Milan last summer? Patrick... Cotron, Pedro Neto, Jesus Vajelo. I hope I'm saying um, this right. Cotrone. Uh, I'm going with Neto. It was Cotrone. He was restricted to three league starts before the Italy, Italy international return to Serie A in January on loan with Florentina. Here we go. Which Argentine, which Argentine, Argentine, which Argentinian did Brighton sign in January 2019, and didn't make his Albion debut until March this year? Alexis Mac, Alistair, Ezekiel, Shiloto, Mario Zarate. First one. <laughs> Can I get those first two again? Oh, you're killing me, Alexis Mac. Alexis McAllister. That sounds like a combination between a Scots and a Chilean. Yeah. Alexis McAllister, Ezekiel, Shiloto. Shiloto. Uh, I know the second name. I know mm. Zarate played for West Ham, didn't he? So it's not him. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with the second one. It is the first one. Alistair. Yeah, Shiloto's played a couple of times. He played last season. I remember him. He's got that long hair. This is killing me, right? Who has played just one minute of football after making a nine million move from Bristol City to Burnley in January? Josh Brunhill, Adam Webster, Nahiki Wells. Naki Wells, beg your pardon, Naki Wells. Josh Brunhill, Adam Webster, Naki Wells. One minute of football having moved from Bristol City to Burnley. I have no idea what any of these Naki Wells? <laughs> oh, Naki Wells. Right, you're going Naki Wells. Cal, you've got Josh Brownell, Adam Webster, or Naki Wells? Uh, Brownell. Yes, correct. Well done. <laughs> Which midfielder did Watford sign from Udinese for £7 million in January? Uh, oh, uh, he's that guy. Oh, he's Pusetto, that guy. Off the thing. I think it's B. Is he the guy who kicked it off the line? Pusetto. You think touch. it's Pusetto? Cal? No idea, mate. C. No, it's not Sa, it is Pusetto. Yeah, didn't he first touch it in football to clear it off the line? He did, he did. Right, this is one you should get, both of you. Who has played just one league game for Arsenal after joining on loan in January? Sabelos, Mari, Soraya's. Soares. Soares? Soares? How do you say it? Danny Soares. I'm going with Soares. Danny Sabelos. Pablo Mari or Cedric Soares. S O A R E S. He hasn't played yet, so it must be. Hold on, has Mari played two games well, in Mari's one game? Mari's played a couple of games, hasn't he? he came... but, was it, but wasn't one in the thing? Wasn't one in the league? Did you Not say Premier League games? One league game, yes. One league game. I'm yeah, it's Mari. Mari, isn't it? He's only I'm played one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Joined the Gunners after impressing at the Club World Cup with Flamengo, but the Spanish defender needed a month to be fully fit. And he played one game. Kept a clean sheet. Didn't, look, didn't look too bad. Yeah, didn't yeah, look too bad. Right. Who was yet to start a game for Aston Villa after joining in January? Borda Baston, Mbwana, Samata, Indiana, Vesilvev. Vesilvev. <laughs> Jesus. Mate, um, it doesn't help when you can't pronounce this stuff properly, mate. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a, a, B, or C, man. Yeah. I didn't think this guy should have read these. I should have practiced these names. Hey. Now, a. C. Yeah. Uh, it's A. Borjan Baston. Right. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. It hasn't worked out. Much like Ravel Morrison, you could probably do with a fresh start. Six out of ten. So that concludes our quiz. We stumbled our way through that. Apologies for the mispronunciation of names. I'm not going to be doing any football commentating anytime <laughs> soon. Um, that concludes our roundup. Cal, have you got anything to add? Ash, have you got anything to add? No, just big love, man. Like to Cal for always making this happen. Uh, ben for hosting. And this year, man, everyone stay safe. 
um, yeah, have a really blessed Easter weekend. Um, obviously, Easter's a big time in the country. Normally, people are out and about going to church and um, or going out with spending time with family or kind of doing like doing up social events. So, just a huge shout out to everyone tuning in. Hope you have a great Easter. That's a very gracious shout out there. I'll definitely echo those sentiments. Happy Easter to everybody out there. Stay safe during the pandemic. Um, and um, yeah, make sure you uh, follow, like, subscribe, catch us on at podcast play on on the socials and podcast play on at gmail.com if you want to hit us up for anything. That's it. And just echoing what the lad said. Uh, have a good week. Thank you for listening. Make sure you share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And keep we keep everyone in our thoughts and prayers as we move on for the rest of the month. See you later. Always. Peace. And we have kicked off. It is...